Hey, Mark Anderson of UKcolumn.org. I'm at day two of the Red Pill Expo, July 10, 2022, and I'm talking with Mitchell Shaw. He's a New American Magazine contributing writer, and he spoke July 9 at this Red Pill conference, the eighth such conference, this one in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thanks for being with me, Mitchell. Oh, glad to do it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of dystopian things about education, about the deep state, about the Great Reset. It's kind of scary, especially to newcomers, but uh, to all of us, we're kind of bewildered on, on how to handle what's going on. So much has changed, especially since COVID. But you've got some very practical things that you outlined here at this conference on how to face this uh, digi uh, metaverse that we're dealing with. Uh, what are some of those things? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I try to focus on is solutions because it's real easy. That it's almost like there's a cottage industry that's grown up around telling everybody how bad the problem is, right? And that's great, but you know, the only reason really to tell you that your house is on fire is to tell you you need to get out of your house, right? The bad news is your house is on fire. The good news is follow me. We're going to get out of the house, right? So if I don't have some good news, you don't need to hear the rest of the bad news. The bad news is that the surveillance state is monitoring all of your emails, your web traffic, your browsing history, your phone calls, your texts, your maps, your calendars, and everything else. And they're doing that to compile a dossier on you that is surprisingly accurate and overlooks all of your excuses and, and motives and everything else and really just looks at who you really are. That's the bad news. They want to control you, and data gives them the tool that they need to do that. And I understand real quickly from you and other speakers that they can get to the point where they can almost predict your future behavior, not just your current thinking, with reasonable precision. Oh, not, not, not almost. They absolutely can. So one of the things Ed Snowden points out is that they have the ability to see documents that you're drafting on the internet, like if you're writing a Gmail uh, email or if you're using Google Docs or any kind of online platform where you're drafting a document. They can see that you pause at a certain place in the document, backspace over that last clause that you typed, think for a second, and then type a new clause. Using psychological profiling techniques, they actually know what you were thinking when you wrote that. He said it's the closest thing that's ever existed to mind reading, and we do it every day, all day long, all over the world. Not only that, but since they can do that with you and your friends and all of their friends and all of their friends, they can predict, because remember, they've got your calendar, so they know your schedule. They've got your contact list. They've got your browsing history, so they know your real interests. They know where your mind is at any given moment. They already know that next week, a friend that you've not talked to in 10 years is going to reach out to you and say, hey, I'm going to be passing through town. Can we get together, have a cup of coffee? They already know you're going to say yes. They already know when and where you're going to meet. They know the drink you're going to order. They know the card you're going to pay for it with. They know the question your friend is going to ask you, and they already know your answer. Well, well within a range of possible variables, right? I mean, I would think... Because I have more than one card I could use, and you know. But they know which card you're most likely to use right now because they know where you stand on each one of those cards. They know the card you've got the correct available balance on. They've already seen the way you rotate the usage of your cards. Before we get on how to address this, is this based on... Um, the, okay, they know your status. They know a little bit, a little bit about who you are. Are they actually watching people that closely on an individual level, or is it simply that they have the ability to do it, but they don't necessarily watch every person at every moment? So, so it's, really, it's really neither and both at the same time. So in other words, gone are the days 
where some guy wearing a, an oversized trench coat and a fedora hat is smoking a cigar in a basement somewhere, wearing headphones, listening live to your conversations. We're not doing it that way. Or that's cutting a hole in a newspaper and watching you through the newspaper. Right. That's ineffective, <laughs> and they don't do it that way anymore. Now, now what we have is the ability for them to capture all of this in real time and put it on a server somewhere and store it in perpetuity and go back through it at, at leisure. But it's not a, a person going through it. It's not an individual that's going through this. It's a computer running an algorithm. And yes, this is everybody all the time, everywhere. But it's not an individual watching this happen. It's a computer watching it happen. And then the computer goes, ding, ding, ding. Hey, pay attention to this, right? So because he said this, he did that, he's planning that. Some key phrase or the, the person you're going to be meeting with and what they might be up to or anything else. So what winds up happening is... Um, See, again, it's not a person making any of these decisions about what your future behavior is going to be. It's an algorithm. And the algorithm is just crunching the numbers. It just looks at the math. So it's a big collective thing going on all the time. Okay, up against that onslaught, up against that rather sobering thing, you have a lot of ideas. Yes. So one thing people could do if you're very serious about protecting your privacy, and these things are inconvenient, but so is locking your front door and unlocking your front door every time you come and go. But you do that because you know you want to protect the things and people that are in your home, right? Yes. So just the digital equivalent of that is people need to consider switching email providers and use something like ProtonMail or StartMail. People need to consider switching their browser to something like Brave. The Brave browser works on all platforms and is very privacy friendly. Spelled just like it sounds. Brave and the symbol is a lion's head so if they do an internet search, if they see that they, they've got the right thing. Uh, they need to get rid of Google and start using something like Brave Search or DuckDuckGo is okay. <coughs> Start page is is pretty good. Um, my my poison of choice, my my search engine of choice would be the Brave search engine. Um, and then they need to consider uh, putting things like Signal to replace the normal text app on their phone to begin sending encrypted texts back and forth between their friends. They need to consider the Linux operating system to replace either Windows or Mac. Uh, L-I-N-U-X. That's right, L-I-N-U-X, and there are several different distributions. Um, one of the most popular is Ubuntu, that's spelled U-B-U-N-T-U. -U. You can go to Ubuntu.com, it's a free download, and it's very simple to install. It's open source software, so this means that the source code is available to the public. So there's no secret recipe for how this software was made. If there's anything nefarious hidden in the code, it will have been discovered by now. Because a million nerds out there are watching this code. That, that's what they do for fun. This open source um, matter that you talked about yesterday, that's kind of the key to your presentation, wasn't it? Or one of the key things. No, it really is. Because open source software allows you to know what's actually in your software. So similar to you wouldn't eat food unless somebody would tell you the ingredients that were in it, right? Open source software is not only that they're telling you the ingredients, they're handing you the recipe. You could literally go home and make this software yourself. You could rewrite the code and make it do anything you want it to do. Take it to your own kitchen, as it were. Yeah, roll your own, so to speak. That's yes. right. So, um, And then the final thing would be for sensitive materials that you may need to research or uh, communicate or whatever, uh, you need to use something like the Tor browser. That's T-O-R. It used to stand for The Onion Router. So it's like layers like an onion, layers of encryption, layers of anonymity to protect who you are so that the person operating the website that you're visiting can't even know who you are. So this would, in effect, 
seriously cripple and encumber this deep state collection agency that we're dealing with. If everybody did this, we would all become uh, invisible to them. Go dark. That's right. To use their phrase, we would all go dark. And I love it because one of the slides that Ed Snowden provided to Der Spiegel was a slide from the NSA titled Tor Stinks, right? And in that they said that they have been able to de-anonymize, that's their word, de-anonymize a very small fraction of users and that that's usually because of user error. So if I'm using Tor and I've been browsing, you know, uh, whatever I'm browsing or sending whatever messages I'm sending or doing whatever I'm doing and then I log into my bank, I just identified myself. I just said, hey, all that other stuff, that was me too, right? So we have to have a mindset of liberty and privacy, develop this like uh, trust but verify, kind of always always look around, you know, know your, know your surroundings and know what you're doing and who's hearing you um, and pay attention to this and not identify ourselves. They also said that when used with, uh, so the TAILS operating system, and that's T-A-I-L-S, uh, and I don't remember the exact website, it's a weird website, but if they just do a search, if your listeners will do a search for Tails Linux, they will find this. It is also a free download, and uh, you can burn this to a USB stick. This is an operating system that only works from the USB stick. It cannot be installed on a computer. The purpose of this is to be used when traveling or for when you really need the ultimate in privacy because the entire operating system is built around privacy and anonymity using the Tor, the Tor network to send all of your traffic back and forth. And if you remove the USB stick from the computer, it automatically powers the computer down and removes all traces from the computer that it was ever there. The stick doesn't so remember the computer. you're wiping up your footprints, as it were. Uh, what, what, what would uh, the woman who would have been president have said? You mean with like a cloth or something like that? You remember when she said that? Yes, you're literally cleaning up behind yourself like you were never there. The stick doesn't remember the computer. The computer doesn't remember the stick. Uh, now, a quick note. A lot of people use tablets. Tablets are something of, a, uh, of an anomaly here, right? Uh, laptops, this is obviously for, and desktop computers. But tablets are sort of a hybrid between a large phone with some aspects of a computer. I mean, granted, you could use StartPage and, and the different um, search engines you talked about, but it's a little more difficult with tablets, isn't it? It is. So your listeners that are using tablets or mobile devices would want to do an, uh, an Internet search for um, aftermarket ROM. That's capital R, capital O, capital M, ROM. Uh, capital, uh, I'm sorry, uh, aftermarket ROMs for, say, their particular model. Let's say they use a, you know, a Google Pixel 5 or whatever. Or is by Samsung. Or Samsung Galaxy S10 or whatever, then you would just do a search, uh, do a, a Brave search or a DuckDuckGo search for aftermarket ROMs for Galaxy S10 or whatever. R O M S. R O M and then a lowercase s. That's right. Oh, and okay. and th this is an aftermarket operating system. You're going to have instructions on there. Buyer beware. If you do it wrong, you're going to turn your phone into a brick. Uh, so, you know, maybe find a guy that you know and trust that has tape on his glasses and have him do it for you. It seems to me that in the face of all this dystopianism, uh, two things come to mind. What you just got done describing, Mitchell, and homeschooling, and then with your child or children at home, they also would incorporate what you're describing. And then you've kind of established a beachhead of family and personal sovereignty. And from there, everybody does it in a neighborhood fashion. And then I also envision, like, local gardens, more 
local gardens for locally grown food, short, shorten the supply chains, community gardens for neighborhoods and communities. Don't be dependent on, on corporatized food and long supply chains. It seems to me that if that much was done on a consistent, um, fairly widespread basis, that we would regain a lot of things uh, with which we could then correct the economic and political system and correct everything from the bottom up because the top down, we know they've got that locked in. Sure. And so uh, when we speak about homeschooling, you know, it's teach your children and teach them well, right? One of the things we need to be teaching our children is that there are ways to be safe online, to be secure online, to be private and anonymous online, and that these things are terribly important. Right. Another thing I would say is um, because of all of the um, immoral and, and terrible stuff, this this soul poison that's out there on the internet. The internet's a great place. It's it's I, I picture it almost like a city, right? And you've got that one part of town that's got like the really nice mall and yeah. a great public and library. And you've got the ghetto, the seedy part of town. What can you do, right? That's right. Don't go there. <laughs> right. we, we don't go to that part of town. We teach our kids, we don't go to that part of town. Right, but then right. but then our child turns 11 years old and we go, oh, I just bought you this new iPhone, sweetie. Well, you may as well hand them a loaded 357 because they're going to point that, that iPhone right at their soul and pull the trigger and they're going to be looking at porn before you know it. And you say, no, 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 not my child. He would never. Well, he is he is of the seed of Adam, so the answer is yes, he will, given the correct opportunity and the right temptation. And, and the ubiquity of everything. It's everywhere. So we have to be mindful and at age-appropriate levels let our kids know, look, there's there's. we don't say, hey, there's pornography on the internet, and then our eight-year-old goes, Daddy, what's pornography? You're and just then, making him curious. Right. So instead we say, look, there's some bad stuff out there, just like some of the movies that, we, that our friends watch that we don't watch, just like some of the magazines our friends read that we don't read. You know, there's some bad stuff on the internet. We want to be careful and guard our souls. Yes. So mom and dad are going to kind of help you monitor your, your web usage, your internet right. usage. Uh, so screen facing the room, always in our presence at age appropriate levels. So that as they grow and they develop these habits themselves, then we can say, sure, at 16, fine, take your laptop to your room and finish your homework assignment. Uh, very good, Mitchell Shaw. Uh, any, any parting comments? Yeah, so the privacy thing, uh, I want to leave this thought because it's not dystopian, it's just true. There has never existed in the history of mankind a police state that did not have a surveillance state component. If we can stop the formation of a complete surveillance state, if we can throw a wrench into those works, we stop the police state. And we buy a lot of time to correct other things that we outlined. Okay. So that we can get back to the Constitution, back to a nation that honors God and honors our fellow man. Right, absolutely. Maintain and improve that. Absolutely. If, you're, if your listeners are interested and want more information on this, I host a podcast called Enemy of the Surveillance State. It's on all the platforms. Just do a search for Enemy of the Surveillance State podcast. And once you get past all of the <clears throat> once you get past all the ads for the movie Enemy of the State, then the next one, that's me. <laughs> okay, very good. Mitchell Shaw, thank you for uh, discussing this with me at the 8th uh, Red Pill Conference. Hey, thank you. Gr God great bless. meeting. Yep. And Mark Anderson reporting for UK Column. Over and out.